0: All right, thank you, thank you. I noticed the uh, uh, song list said Calvary's Messengers. You guys are down a few, uh, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, amen, amen, great job. What a great, great song, great, great reminder, and uh, so praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You know, uh, listen, you know, the death of Christ on our behalf, that ought to be real to you this morning. It ought to be real to you when you get up tomorrow morning and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, I think sometimes we uh, tend to maybe take for granted or or maybe forget, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I tell you, when, when you really think about what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary, uh, boy, it, it changes your life, amen? It changes your life. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord. All right, Psalm number 139, Psalm 139. You know, I've uh, never been to Bible college per se. I've done some seminary and and uh, have an associate's degree in, in theology, uh, but I've never really attended a Bible college. But uh, I've read enough books on preaching and been around folks, and, you know, there's all types of textual sermons, uh, expository preaching, um, and I used to try to follow those things and, and so forth. Um, uh, there's also topical preaching, and uh, I'm probably not a traditional uh, expository preacher, uh, but I'm probably not much of a topical preacher either. In other words, I, I do like to use the scriptures and stay in context and those types of things. Uh, but with that said, I do believe that God does lead us as pastors to treat, to preach about topical things. In other words, a subject matter. And uh, I want to preach to you about abortion today. And, and if we were to take a poll, we most likely all would be in a hundred percent agreement that abortion is wrong. Um, but, you know, with, I was thinking about this the other day, and I've, I've mentioned it a couple times with the pulpit, you know, we're bogged down in a lot of uh, homosexuality, uh, terribleness and the whole gender uh, confusion, uh, which is really terrible. Um, but I, I still believe that abortion probably has really been the springboard for all of this to take place. And uh, we need to be reminded of some things, you know. Uh, and and I want to just read a text, a verse of scripture, a passage of scripture. And then read some other things to you as well. I might be a little longer than normal, but I'll try not to be. But Psalm 139, I'm going to ask you to go ahead in reverence to the Word of God and stand. Psalm 139. And we're going to read verse, begin to read with verse 13. Just going to read down to verse 19. uh, But Psalm 139. uh, Psalm 139, uh, looking at verse 13. It says, For thou, and this is David speaking, he says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. And what David is focusing in on here is his conception, him being conceived. He says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully wonderful made, marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Verse 15, My substance was not hid from thee, even when I was made in secret. Again, I believe this has to do with his being conceived. Notice that God knew David before he was conceived. And curiously wrought uh, in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. In other words, he wasn't complete. Um, he says, uh, 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 goes on to say, and in the book all my members were written. In other words, the development of his body, uh, which in continuance were fashioned, in other words, growing in the womb, when as yet there was none of them. So God saw David as an individual at conception before he had arms and legs. Do you get that today? These folks, these liberal preachers that say there's nothing in the Bible that preaches against abortion, they just need to read their Bible. God makes it very clear. Verse 17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. What a wonderful verse. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou will slay the wicked. And I think about the abortion doctors and the abortion uh, industry. Surely thou will slay the wicked. They need to get their hearts right and get saved. O God, depart from me, therefore, ye bloody Men. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of the Word of God today as we look at a subject, Lord, that certainly breaks my heart. And, Lord, it's not my goal to uh, use some type of you know, emotional uh, subject here to try to just rouse us up a little bit. But, Lord, that our hearts need to stay sensitive towards the things that you're sensitive towards. And so, Father, help us to understand some things today. As I said, it's not just abortion, it's many other things, but I do believe that in 1973, when this awful law was passed, uh, that our country has just been in a downward spiral ever since. And so, Father, I hope and pray that you'll help us to understand some things as believers, and we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it all. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray, amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I, I'm i going to read something uh, entitled, The Genesis of life. The genesis of life. It'll take me a minute or two, so just bear with me. Based on what we just read here. And God said, let there be fertilization, and one cell was formed, and God said, let there be found therein the baby's sex, height, skin color, eye color, hair color, and all other aspects of what it means to be a human being, foreordained by God before the foundations of the world were laid. And God said, let this life now begin to grow skin, eternal organs, uh, even a beating heart. And the first day to the last day was the first month. And God said, let there be fingers and toes. God said, let there be brain waves, and let this innocent life begin to move and swim. And God said, let there be fingerprints like no other fingerprint before or after, unique only to this life. And the first to the last day was the second month. And God said, let the baby sleep and awake and begin moving new muscles and uh, that are beginning to develop. God said, let the baby feel. God said, let the baby breathe. And God said, now all organs, skeletal structure, nerves, and blood circulation are present. And the first to the last day was the third month. And God said, now baby may suck his thumb." God said, let baby's heart now pump up to 25 quarts of blood a day to nourish and give substance. With this substance, God says, let baby now flex his toes and grip with his hands. And the first to the last day was the fourth month. And God said, let there be hair upon thy head. And the first to the last day was the fifth month. And God said, open thy eyes that thou may see light. And the first to the last day was the sixth month. And God said, let thy bones begin to harden. Thou mayest experience the hiccups and what it means to cry. God said, let baby taste and explore with his eyes. God said, let the mother speak and baby will recognize the sound thereof. And the first to the last was the seventh month. And God said, let baby now absorb life from his mother. For just in a little while, he will be leaving the place of his creation And the first to the last day was the eighth month. And God said, let there be barely enough space so there's only room to wiggle, to get ready to be born. And then God says, spring forth. One cell has become 200 million cells that weigh six billion times more than when God said, let there be fertilization. Thus the precious life of an infant was finished and God blessed this life that had been created and made and said, It was good. And the last, then the first to the last day was the ninth month. I read an article years ago about the nine months of pregnancy and how the baby develops and gleaned some things from there. And I'm not a very imaginative person, but I believe with all my heart, God then led me very quickly and immediately to Genesis and how he lovingly and marvelously formed and fashioned the earth and even man himself, and in just a, a matter of minutes, God led me to pin down what I just shared with you. And I give that all to God, because i that's not my cup of tea. Most of us have heard of Casey Anthony, a young lady that I believe that took the life of her toddler May I say that there's no difference in what she did compared to what our country has legalized according to what the Bible teaches here. Now, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm here to condemn abortion because I believe God does. But I'm just simply here to tell the truth about abortion. And so this isn't my philosophy. This isn't a political agenda or view that I have. It's not even really personal feelings per se, but what is revealed by God through his word concerning abortion. And I think it's necessary. I believe we all, uh, most of us, would probably be against abortion, but I think we need to know why and we need to know the heart of God. In other words, it needs to be more than just uh, an emotional thing that we have. Uh, This needs to be a God-centered conviction that we have. So let's talk about abortion for just a moment. Certainly when I think about abortion, the thing that stands out to me is innocent lives taken. It's estimated that over over 45 million, 45 million, you know, we throw that word around million a lot these days, but a million is a lot. 45 million is astronomical. Over 45 million unborn children killed since Roe versus Wade in 1973. 45 million A little math. For every two babies born, another is aborted. Just let that sink in. Now, I will say this, the numbers seem to be declining, but if we just take the average from 1973 to now, this is what we come up with. That's 1.4 million unborn babies a year. That's 4,000 unborn babies every day. That is one child every twenty seconds that is jerked from their mother's womb. Let's just say, for instance, that right this moment, a little baby has been aborted. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Another baby has just been aborted. Tragic. Absolutely tragic. As I said a while ago, I believe there are a lot of things destroying our country in all types of immorality, homosexuality, the gender confusion, but as I said a while ago, I believe that the, the abortion thought process has really morphed into these types of things. And I believe that abortion is, for me anyway, uh, you know, I believe is at the top of the list of, of things that are not right in America. Exodus chapter 20 verse 13 says, thou shall not kill. And this is a commandment to individuals. And let me just say it has nothing to do with a nation that's given the authority to protect life by taking life. It has nothing to do with capital punishment, which I believe is biblical. But this is about really what murder is. So this is murder. This is unmerited, premeditated taking of a human being's life out of anger, convenience, or expediency. There's no other reasons than that. Abortion, you know, I hear a lot of things going on, uh, people that choose to raise their children biblically and, and believe in not sparing the rod and... And that believe that they ought to teach their children that homosexuality is wrong, and that boys ought to be boys and that girls ought to be girls. Uh, the, the the world labels that as child abuse. And I think how ironic is it that the very ones that say we're abusing our children support abortion. I mean, what case, what worst case of child abuse can you think of? A lot of people who are pro-choice have stated that. You know, child abuse would and, uh from the result of unwanted pregnancies, and that's not true, that's not happened. Child abuse has actually increased, and that's just what the world calls child abuse. I believe it's even greater than that, because a lot of things that we're, children are exposed to today by their own parents is child abuse in God's eyes, although the government hasn't said that it was. Again, this gender nonsense uh, really, to me, is legalized child abuse. And we train people, listen, we train people to become insensitive, insensitive about the sanctity of life. Listen, it sears the conscience. It can lead to other wicked ideas and thinking as well. And that's what we're seeing. We are reaping what we've been sowing. And it's terrible the kinds of abuse we see that are poured out on innocent children, some of which have been sanctioned by our government and taught in our schools and colleges. Promoted, that is. So if one thinks so little of life, what can we expect but such things? And Christians have been silent far too long on these things. You know, when a country, any country, certainly the United States, has set out to devalue life, hey, we can't expect but the horrific things concerning morality that we see today. We ought not be surprised, folks. We ought not be surprised. So abortion says that man has the ability to choose who lives and who dies. Man has that ability. And many use, you know, mercy, you know, as an excuse because of maybe of a disability or, or a crime that was committed. And I understand those things happen, but I want you to understand it's God who allows and it's God that gives life. Life given by Him in whatever situation or circumstance. And I understand babies are born under some of the most uh, strenuous circumstances that the human mind could comprehend. But nonetheless, it is God that gives life. And He chooses to bring light, that life into whatever that life has to live with. Listen, I want you to understand, it is up to God and God alone. We're not God. Whatever disability, whatever environment or situation that that child may be in, at the end of the day, it is God that gives life. And no human being has the right to say whether that life needs to be or not to be. That is straight out of a pit of hell. So therefore, if God and God alone who takes life, I believe that it is, uh, certainly if it's if it's him that gives life, it is also he that takes life by whatever means, circumstance, situation that he chooses or allows. He takes life with whether it's quick or slow. He takes life from the young. He takes life from the old. He takes life from in between. But for mortal man to decide these truths is to try to play God. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I don't know, God may judge me for this, but I, I, I just can't share the horrific truths about abortion. I just, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Maybe I should, I don't know, but I'm, I'm not gonna share the details of the different methods of killing unborn children because To be honest with you, it makes me sick. You know, I don't even think Wicked Hollywood could conceive such the awful horrors in any of their movies. But this is what happens when man tries to play God. This is what happens when one devalues the sanctity of life. And that's what abortion's all about. And again, I I want you to understand that I'm not here to condemn, embarrass, or shame anyone God, Hey, listen, God forgives the sin of abortion as much as He forgives any sin. Amen? So that's not what this is about. And I don't believe even those that may have made the mistake with abortion that God wants you to live your whole life riddled with guilt. I don't believe that either. So that's not what this is about. This is about facing the awful truth concerning abortion. I believe it needs to be preached about. It needs to be talked about. The truth needs to be discussed and revealed so that those who may be fooled into thinking it's justifiable won't make that same terrible mistake. Because at the end of the day, this is a life that God allowed to be. You know, I I want to say this carefully, but I believe there's a time when we need to have a holy anger about things. If you don't like holy anger, how about a fiery compassion? Maybe that'll suit you better. Whatever you want to call it, I'm just saying we need to get stirred up about these things, especially about the killing of innocent babies. The argument of when life begins, that's really the whole thing, the lie. Uh, the so called science teaches us that life inside a mother's womb is not real life. I will say this that with technology now you can look at a child, you know, almost, you know, like you're just watching the real thing happen. And that has really changed. They're not wanting to do that anymore because moms are seeing that. And they're saying, hey, that's a baby in there. So they're kind of pulling back from that, which shows the wickedness of all of this. They say, yeah, that little baby in there, it's not a real life. It's just a mass of flesh and tissue, has no soul, has no spirit. For some people, abortion is like stepping on a bug. To remove an unborn child from its mother's womb is no different than somebody going out and weeding their garden. That's how a lot of people see it. It's something that really hurts no one. It's something that's sometimes necessarily necessary in life. And in this society's elite, the smart ones, you know, supposedly. And they'll say, well, life really only begins at birth. But as we read there in our psalm, but that's certainly not true at all. What saith the word of God, amen? There in verse 13, David said, in my mother's womb. Life already exists in the mother's womb. Another great passage as well is Jeremiah 1, verse 5. I have it written down. Before I formed thee in the belly, God says, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation, speaking about Jeremiah. Again, the Bible's clear. No matter how man may try to justify abortion, and you know, I've talked to people about the well, preacher, what about that? what about what? Hey, listen, it's up to God who's born. It's up to God how they're born. It's up to God what they got to face when they're born, and it's up to God when they die. It's not up to you. So no matter how we may try to justify abortion, God says that life begins at conception, certainly not birth. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, that our own laws make it illegal for someone to take the life of the innocent. You know, if I get mad at somebody out here for, you know, uh, road rage, and, you know, I whip out a gun and shoot them, uh, I'd go to jail and, and should, and should probably die. But yet, those very same people think that parents have the right to kill their baby. I, I just, I don't understand that. It's just, it's beyond my comprehension. And really, that's what pro-choice is really about. It's, it's choosing who lives and who dies. You say, well, doesn't a matter doesn't a mother have the right to choose? No! 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 That's a life! I'm not much of a science teacher by any stretch of the imagination, but from what I've read, a father contributes 23 uh, chromosomes. 46 chromosomes make up every human being's body. These cells are made up of these 46 chromosomes, I think is the proper way to state it. father contributes 23, the mother 23. The remarkable thing is, is that single cell at the time of conception will develop with likenesses of both parents. I understand that. But that life is not the life of the mother or the father. It's a new life. Amen. Yes, the baby gains nourishment from its mother and may look like the mother and have likenesses of the mother. Same thing with the father. But as far as... The life being the mother and the baby, that's simply not true. Yes, she nourishes the baby, but let's just think about this. <laughs> you know, let's say that these babies are born, and mother decides that she's not going to feed the baby any longer or take care of the baby. Social services, rightly so, will come and take that child away from her. What what I'm saying is, is that baby being developed inside that mother's womb that's being nourished from that mother, listen, that's her reasonable service. She ought to be doing that. Just the same way she ought to do it after she's born, after the baby's born. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's a separate life. It's a new life. So again, at conception, you now have an independent life found wrapped up in that single cell, with its very own 46 chromosomes. An amazing thought. So when someone starts considering abortion, really they're determining about whether an individual has the right to die or the right to live. And nobody has that right. There should have been some decision-making before conception, amen? You know, it's amazing to me that we spend millions of dollars in our country to educate and indoctrinate our children about what to do after they get pregnant and even how to kill their children. How about spending some of that teaching them about abstinence from sex before marriage? Hallelujah. Once conception has happened, though, life has happened. And that is up to God. I think the other thing we need to understand this morning, too, is conception is a gift from God. You know, man has came into the world... From what I understand, three different ways. And I'll explain that third one in a moment. And really, the first one was by creation. Think of Adam and Eve, and really you could almost divide that up because Eve came out of Adam, but we'll, we'll group Adam and Eve together. They came by creation. The second way man comes into the world is by natural birth. And that's been everybody since Adam and Eve. Genesis 4.1 says, Adam knew, knew wife, knew, I'm sorry, and Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, "I have gotten man from the Lord, so conception no doubt is a gift from God, and again I'll share you the, I'll share the third way here in just a moment, but you know anytime I, I I think about these things, I don't know why this message has just been on my heart for the last few weeks actually and and I've been thinking about the the poem there that was written and and so forth and and uh, uh me and miss Dana lord willing, are, or you know going to be a grandparent's a third time and excited about that and um you know just think about it if you've been blessed to, to have children or grandchildren just just think about your children a moment and they may be grown but just think about them if you got grand grandbabies, just, just think about those grandchildren for just a moment now could you imagine life without them And they may have not came to be in the most biblical manner. But the bottom line is they're here. And they're gods. And hopefully they're saved. But could you imagine life without them? You know, what a precious gift children are from God. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Lo, children are a heritage to the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So conception is certainly a gift from God. So here, here's what we, we kind of come up with and, and end with. What can God's people do? You know, my point is is that it's going to take more than just a preacher preaching against abortion every once in a while. Um, and again, probably most of us agree with everything that's said here today. And certainly that's where it begins. And we need to be not just preachers, but we all need to be bold and direct and stay within the law. And, you know, we're not talking about being crazy about things, but we we simply need to make a stand. and, And when given the chance to say that, hey, this is what God says about abortion, we need to be able to use the Scriptures to do that. To show God's hatred for abortion. And believe you me, God hates abortion. Now, God still loves those who maybe are considering abortion. God certainly loves those who uh, maybe have already had an abortion. So, you know, I don't want you to misunderstand some things here. As a matter of fact, some of the most diehard, what I would call pro-life people, are women who had abortions that are doing some great things. And God uses those testimonies uh, from those who maybe once were deceived in the past, yet now they are used by God to change people, and I praise the Lord for that. So this isn't about condemning those who have abortions. This is just trying to get you to understand the awfulness and the sin of abortion. So again, what can God's people do? Now, I mentioned earlier there were three ways in which man came into the world, creation and natural birth. The the third way came for one man only, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin. And really, this is the key to all of this. You know, all those whosoever's, the only one ever or ever will be born in such a way was Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So here's what people can do. You see, it is through Christ that healing and forgiveness can come. That is forgiveness from abortion or forgiveness from, from a wicked lifestyle, whatever that may be. For whosoever will, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I understand that certainly abortion is one of those hard truths. Uh, The truth is hard sometimes. Uh, The truth hurts sometimes. Uh, and certainly it can bring a amount of guilt and shame, which is part of the process. It ought to. You ought not to stay there, but there ought to be uh, repentance in, in the wrong that we've done. But I want you to understand, because there was a Jesus Christ who was born of a virgin, who went to a cross, uh, who, who rose from the grave and ascended back to the Father. Listen, there's always forgiveness found for those that are seeking it. I believe that Christ weeps. Every time an innocent baby is aborted or, or even hurt, I, I believe that God weeps. But I believe he also weeps for that confused and desperate and deceived soul that decides to make such decisions. I believe that. So as a church family, here's what we have to do, what God's people need to do. We need to be seeking out and winning people to Christ. To me, that's the only answer to all of this nonsense that we're dealing with today. And that, you know, these, these young people, you know, have to, have to grow up in. That world out there, these three young people sitting down here, the world out there doesn't want them to believe what this preacher just preached. The educational system, the job, society itself says that that old guy up there is a, he's crazy, he's old fashioned, you don't know what he's talking about. And I probably am crazy and I probably don't know what I'm talking about. But God does. Amen. So I want you to understand that I just believe the person who truly believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and has saved them from their sin and follows Him, they'll not choose to do a lot of things. And I believe one of them would certainly be they would not choose to abort their baby. Amen. You know, we, we think about winning the lost, and certainly the greatest thing about somebody being saved is they get to make heaven their home. But when we think about some of the things that are going on in the world today, winning the lost really reaches a lot further sometimes than we realize. You see what I'm saying? I mean, just think if the world was full of believers who truly followed Christ, how much better it would be, Right? And certainly that would include a lot of things concerning abortion. so the message is very straightforward. I know it wasn't uh, how I typically preach just some information, but I'd ask that as we get ready for our invitations, our pianist comes, I would ask that you would allow God to get a hold of your heart. you know we I know we all have our concerns and worries and you know responsibilities. But maybe this morning we could just kind of set all that aside and, 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 you know, today it was about abortion and, and we, we need to be praying and, and we're starting to see some headway in that area as far as taking abortion, you know, making it illegal again, which it needs to be. But again, I want you to understand, I believe abortion really was the foundation of a lot of the other things that we're dealing with today. And, you know, I believe God says if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I will hear their prayers and I will heal the land. In other words, he's talking about make things better in our society. But he says, if my people, the believer, the believer. So that's the invitation. And I'd just love to see this altar full this morning with God's people praying about what we just talked about. Maybe you know somebody maybe that's maybe thinking about abortion or maybe just had an abortion or whatever. Only God knows hearts. Come and pray for those ladies and men as well because, you know, the men certainly agree to these things as well that God will get a hold of hearts. Um, I, I tremble for America when I think about abortion. I tremble for America when I think about abortion. So let's all stand with our heads